Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back to our Memoirs of Abiding podcast, where we are diving in deep into the well of addiction and we're also putting it in the context of abiding in the lord we've hit many different topics with abiding in the lord and each um, each episode we dive into another aspect of the practical use of abiding as we see in john 14 and john 15 in scripture and in the life of jesus and man it was a it was a heavy episode last week ricky um, diving into you know those who are we'll call them secondary victims but those who are uh, experiencing addicts in their lives and um, the difficulties that they go through and uh, some spiritual guidance and help uh, through the word of god in that one so tonight we tackle uh the real hard one for the addict him or herself. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of people will probably say, what in the world's the Bible got to do with that? And uh, to that, I say a whole lot. <laughs> a whole yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's start this off with um, talking about maybe some of the forms that anyone who is addicted to a substance or uh, a lifestyle or, you know, we've talked about many different forms. What are, what are some, I guess, uh, mainstream methods that they could use? And, you know, we talk about the efficacy or, you know, how, how effective it is in assisting them. Uh, some who are listening may have already tried a few of these and others who are listening may not have heard of any of these. So, uh, you know, I know that you've talked generally about some of the ones up near you and you've also researched in um, a while back some of the methodologies. So if you can just start us off with talking about some of the methods that uh, an addict can go through in order to potentially break the addiction to whatever it is. So I would begin here, um, I think, just briefly backing up to those of us who are concerned about people with with addictions or addictive kind of behaviors. One of the issues we have to come to terms with ourselves is how willing is the person who's struggling, who is addicted? to either a substance or a behavior or whatever it might happen to be. How willing are they? Because 
we should seize the moment at all moments when a person is willing, recognizing that as believers, we don't have a personal God insight into the want to of a person's heart and soul. So when a person says they want to, I want to extend grace. I need to also recognize that, you know, they might be playing games. I get that. So, you know, we need to take seriously when the Lord Jesus talks about being innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And by, in that particular case, he doesn't mean serpent as in the enemy, as in Satan, just um, a snake by by characterization is always head on a swivel, moving around, darting around. Uh, so they kind of metaphorically have the part of being cunning and and uh, very adept and ninja-like, whereas the dove is very innocent, right? So we want to be both of those. So then with that in mind, uh, let's talk about the addict who who wants to make changes, who wants to make changes. Yeah, and yeah. if I have a relationship with that person, I, I I want to be crystal clear with him or her about spiritual condition. Jesus said, "What does it profit a person to gain the whole world, but lose his or her soul?" Um. That is such a an incredible thing that Jesus reminds us of. That the physical life we have here on earth is of extreme value, value to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in a greater way is one's eternal condition. And with salvation, with faith in Christ, having received the grace of God and and the work of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives, those five great miracles of justification and, and redemption and adoption and reconciliation and regeneration take place. And a, and a new person is born, the born-again believer. And the power of God becomes resident in that person's life. So I want to talk to the person about their spiritual condition and invite them to come to know Jesus. And then saved or not saved, I, I also want to talk to them about first steps in reference to dealing with addiction. There are some things as a pastor that I can do. There are some other things that I, I, I'd be very careful not to do. So I'm going to ask the person, and I think anybody should ask the person, that if they really truly are wanting to deal with their addiction or addictive behavior, they talk to a medical professional, that would be one person, maybe their family doctor, maybe a psychiatrist, to determine certain things, to rule out certain things. Are there are there physiological things? And by physiological, I, 
we include the brain. The, the brain is a part of our physiology, a part of our physical condition. Is there a brain anomaly? Is there a tumor? Is there some kind of an illness? Is there, is there pain? Uh, whatever might happen, there could be any number of things that might be driving a person either towards addiction or deeper into it. So getting good clinical medical advice and care is really, really important in, in dealing with, with addictive types of things. That's going to take some time, but we can walk with them through that. We can, all of us can help someone who really wants to get better, walk through those things. And for those of you who are listening, that might mean that you do some research, that you do some investigation. Uh, and for our part, when we're helping someone, maturity and being calm and uh, being straightforward, using loving accountability as opposed to harping and, and begging and arguing and all of that stuff is really important. So the spiritual condition, the, the mental, emotional, physical condition, those should all be considered in the process of dealing with their, their volitional condition, their will to do, their desire to no longer be in these dire straits that they find themselves and they continue to put other people in because of their, their brokenness. And if we're going to do all of that, if we're going to minister to the whole person, then um, there's got to be the suggestion of whether or not a person needs to go to a detox center for a while to begin to deal with the physiological implications of addiction. Uh, that might be a clinic, that might be a hospital, it might be an outpatient clinic. Uh, I'm not an expert in the field. I've been involved with an, enough, enough to know and read enough to know that detox centers and hospital situations are do not have a strong statistical success rate that people going there may go several times, a lot of times. Uh, there's the stereotypical stories that we hear about, like, you know, the Hollywood Beverly Hills crowd, right? You know, oh, uh, so-and-so is back in the clinic. Oh, so-and-so is yeah. back in the clinic. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. And the reason those are alive and well in our pop culture mindsets is because that's a reality. Uh, there's at least one other form of clinic that uh, exists that is not as well known. It uses what's called aversive therapy. It makes things unpleasant for an addict. It's a particular hospital in the Seattle area uses that type of uh, therapy. Um, it's not it's not like abusive. it's it's done with agreement with the patient. And they have a higher success rate, at least they have in the past when I when I researched it. But let's say that somebody's you know addicted to alcohol, uh, that would be their substance of choice for abuse. 
when they're after they've detoxed and they've talked to the staff and things like that, they then go through a series of of bouts in which they take a little bit of alcohol and then they're given a, a type of drug that causes them to be really, really, really sick. So they 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 throw up and their stomach is in cramps and stuff like that. It sounds terrible, right? Yeah. I have I have personally invited a few people that I've worked with over the years to consider uh, that situation. And it's a very loving, very embracing environment, very protective, but nonetheless, it's, it's not pleasant. So I only have my own personal experience. I, I can't speak universally, but of the people that I've sent, which has not been very many, all of them after going through aversive therapy uh, have not returned to their addictive substances. Hmm. So there, there's at least something to that. So why am I suggesting all of these types of things, detox centers, aversive therapy, and so on and so forth? It doesn't really sound like Bible, does it? <laughs> well, not until we begin to engage in what we're going to talk about uh, in just a moment or so. But it's really important, I'm trying to say, to address the physical aspect. Christians should not get into this thing. Well, if it's God's will, it's always God's will that somebody overcome such negative behavior. That's not it. That's not something we should try to discover. Uh, God doesn't want people being addicted and all of that. Um, and it's so being holistic in healing is really important. It would be irresponsible for a Christian to say, for instance, oh, you, you broke your arm. Well, that must be the will of God. So you don't go to the hospital and get the bone set and put a cast on it because let God heal it. Well, I know that there's are Christians out there that do that kind of stuff. But biblically, that's extremely irresponsible because it's not a biblical position that God asks us to hold. Does God sometimes heal? Yes. Does he always? No. All we have to do is study the word of God. So what are we supposed to do? We should always seek wisdom. We can ask for healing all the time. But that's between God and a person, not between us and that person. We shouldn't question somebody's faith if they're not getting healed by virtue of simply praying. Uh, the scriptures are full of admonitions about taking care of ourselves and helping other people. So whether it's somebody getting beat up on the side of the road and we rescue them, or like Paul saying to one of the one of his fellow missionaries, hey, take a little bit of wine to comfort your stomach because there was some kind of stomach illness that 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 young missionary was experiencing uh bad chinese food <laughs> yeah in in the old testament it, it talks about giving alcohol to someone who's in physical agony and so it was used kind of like a, a sedative to ease their pain so well you know we have examples of people in ancient culture doing what was culturally known at the time and it should not be any different now so 
that would be where I would start. But in the bigger picture, say, forecasting for the addict and the people who love the addict. But there's much more to come in the process. But let's make sure that let's try to get you on a firm footing. Let's talk to your doctor. If you're going to a counselor, let's talk to your counselor. Let's get everybody in the loop. If you haven't chatted with your spouse or your children or your parents or whomever your circle might happen to be, let's get everybody together. Let's start praying together. Let's start with a firm foundation. That's where that's where we need to start. I like that. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes the holistic approach makes sense in, in various aspects. If we're training a child, a holistic approach or your Montessori, you know, get the tactile, get the visual, get the auditory. Holistic approaches seem to be more effective anyway. So why not look into that as far as, you know, what you're, what you're doing physiologically um, is what I've, and I have not dove into as much of the research and the studies, but I have seen some in, in the response in the brain and the activity that occurs in addicts, uh, it's it's pretty real. Like there's parts of your brain that just light up from, I've seen it from the drugs, that's the side, and from pornography. That's, I've looked at those um, responses in the brain as well. And it's um, it's uh, disconcerting. I mean, you know, that even if I, if I wanted to change, um, physiologically, my brain may just prevent anything. So I think that's a, a great place to start and to talk about. Now, when I'm, when I'm clean and when I'm able to think in my right mind, now, you know, we can address the other aspects of, of all of this and help someone walk through it. So, yeah, I think, you know, for those, if, if you're listening and, and, you know, this, this is for two, two different groups, right? This is for, again, the people from the last episode that you have someone in your life who's an addict. Um, this can help you to know what resources to provide to them and, and to help them walk through this process. But this is also for the person who's addicted and wants to get out of it. To both of you, I would say um, this is really important to look at, you know, how to get to the the ability to be set up for success. If I can't think right, if I can't even start to make decisions reasonably and rationally, then it doesn't matter what I say or do. Um, and I say or do to someone else. So oh, I want to be clean, but I, but I physically can't be clean is, <laughs> you know, that's, that's setting up for failure. And then, you know, you may have tried, you may be the person who's tried to quit numerous times. And you're like, I just, I feel like a failure, feel like I can't, I can't do it. And maybe it's not for me. Well, just like Ricky's saying, maybe there's something that's actually preventing you that, that you don't know about. So this would be a good time to, to find those experts, uh, the medical professionals who can really look at images, who can look at, you know, your, your position and, uh, and diagnose, or at least set you on the right course. So I think that's that's very wise to start with that one. I give a couple of uh, maybe a, a, a couple of places that a person might look up on the internet 
it might not be in your location, wherever you're listening, but you could look both of these places up and get an idea of what, um, what we're talking about in terms of it might be necessary for you or your loved one to go away for a while so that that detox can take place and that um, resetting of the internal clock can take place, that helping to find that firm footing can take place. Not suggesting that everybody has to go to a clinic, but I want to just share a couple of Christian places that I'm aware of that people I care a great deal about have gone to and been helped a great deal. One is called Honey Lake Clinic, and you can find it on the internet at www.honeylake.clinic. I think that's the, the, uh, yep, Honey Lake Clinic. So this is a board-certified Christian mental health treatment center, and they deal with any number of different problems and I've actually had loved one, uh, a loved one go here, and there, there are some pretty wonderful people there, and they do fantastic work. Another one is in the area where, where I live. It's in a little town called Paulsbo, Washington, P-O-U-L-S-B-O. It's called Mission House Ministry. And you can find it at missionhouseministry.org, O-R-G. Again, I'm not necessarily suggesting that if you live in, you know, Missouri, <laughs> that you, you check out Mission House Ministry. But you could look at their website, again, missionhouseministry.org. And this one is in, is particularly for men. And it's a place where guys who are addicted or, you know, I mean, and and, you know, let's get past this whole, you know, drugs and alcohol. Alcohol is a drug, too. There's, it's an addiction. So if a person's addicted to a, a chemical, uh, they can go to a, a man, can go to missionhouseministry.org. Around the country, there are, the, there are these types of places, both for men and for women. And this is a full-on situation in which you are ministered to holistically. And again, you can go to the that website and see how they go about helping men overcome addictions. Honey Lake Clinic in Florida, again, honeylake.clinic, is a medical treatment center. They have, you know, incredible doctors who know how to reconcile the problem of um, substance abuse, even, even that, you know, there's so many people who are addicted to prescription, prescription drugs and, you know, getting all of those reconciled and whatnot. So those are two resources that anybody listening could go and look at to get an idea of maybe some resources that are available. And uh, I would just suggest that. And again, then you come back to if you're an addict and you have some loved ones around you who agree with you that it's time for you to change, and they want to help you. Or if you're a loved one of an addict and that addict is wanting to make some changes, 
then after you start to help this person find some footing, find a firm foundation in all aspects of life, physical, mental, emotional, socially, and spiritually. You'll notice that all five of those, the physical realm, the mental realm, the emotional realm, the social realm, and the spiritual realm are not primarily psychological, they're sociological. That's how we live. We live with other people. We live in partnership with family and friends. So part of that firm foundation is the regrouping of all the people who are hurting. And that might you might need some help doing that. You might need to call a pastor or a I don't know, somebody that you know that's just really wise and and able to help. I would encourage you that whoever you invite you 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 ensure you ensure yourselves that this person is truly abiding in the Savior and and has a close close personal walk with God because it's going to take all of that kind of strength. So then at that point, Chris, I think now we're at a place where we can start to talk to the person about how then does abiding in Christ, all of that is a part of abiding in Christ, but we haven't really tried to start talking to the addict. How does the addict begin to experience the presence of God Therefore, knowing the joy of the Lord in his or her life at such an extent that it wages a victorious war against whatever kind of lust, desire, soothing, self-medicating issue is taking place with the addiction. Because... Most addicts will tell you that the substance of choice is all is like when I take it, you know, it might not last very long. And I know my life's in a in a bad way, but it it cancels out all that all that hullabaloo that's going on in their brain. All yeah. that all that stuff, all that anxiety, all that frustration, all that fear, all of that, all, all whatever. Ever how someone describes it, or they he or she cannot describe it, but but just knows this thing is gnawing away from the inside out. That drug of choice or behavior of choice drowns it out. And if you want to know more about that, listen to the last two episodes. We we talked about that at at length. So now we got to get to the place where we're helping the addict to understand that there's a way that they can begin to see the presence of God by recognizing the presence of God. It, in, it increases their joy, their, their, their peace, their, their rest, which gives them power to move forward. And all of that comes in the same circle of people who have now joined the addict in a loving, a circle of loving accountability. So let's redefine accountability. Most of the times we think of accountability as something punitive, something really <laughs> unsatisfying emotionally, but it doesn't have to be that way. Accountability, yeah. gentle, loving embrace. And, and I, I think you bring up a good point, which can help in the accountability in that 
the addiction is is really just trying to numb some condition that the person's trying to live in. Yeah. Um, you know, I I know a few um, individuals who had fallen into addiction while in the Navy, and it was it was dealing with some some stress, some post traumatic stress that they've gone through. I I I've met people in that. Um, some other people who have gone through some horrible traumas in their life and they're trying to get through a lot of these things. Well, these are, these are the the secret wars that wage uh, against us when we don't, when, when no one else knows. So we try to, we try to battle them through whatever means we can. Now for majority, if, if you've heard any of our other podcasts, We've talked about this. Our our flesh generally finds a way to function and protect itself, to preserve itself. And and we call these defense mechanisms. These defense mechanisms are generally there to try to protect the brain in the best way that it knows. But they're usually faulted long-term. Short-term, it's probably pretty effective. Long-term, not so good. So... Those who are struggling in addiction, um, this this may be an area that if you can think or even write in a journal, maybe start to look at. When you, when you find these addictive desires come forth, is it, is it attached to something that you know or that you don't know? Then in this accountability and people that you trust, that you know are there and, and to love you, describing some of this, maybe you don't go into full disclosure, but maybe you give an idea, hey, there's some thoughts that come into my mind that really remind me of something that's pretty awful. And when that happens, I I just want to hide in a bottle. I just want to take these painkillers. I just want to blah, blah, blah. And I think understanding that these are the, the sources that really start to drive addiction we can then look at that and say, okay, now we've got an idea. We've, we've got some sort of a potential source for this. And we've talked in abiding before. Once I know what, what my pattern is, well, it unlocks this ability then to, to name it and defame it, right? This, this wrong thinking, this poor habit, this, I mean, this doesn't even have to apply to addiction. This can just be in, in any wrong belief uh, about myself or about others. So it most certainly applies to addiction. So then in this accountability, if, if we can express this, or if you're dealing with someone who's an addict and, and they want to change, this may be a good sit down conversation. You, you don't start with this, but just allow them to give their story, to give an ear, to listen to the person and to hear what is it that I hear you saying to me about your life? What What is the pain in your life coming from? Or what is the, the fear in your life stemming from? When we can start to understand that, I think the, the family, the community can then come around that individual holistically, right? And, and start yeah. to say, okay, here's the fear that they have. Well, this allows me then as a Christian brother, if 
you know, if, if Ricky, if you were in an addiction and I knew that there's a trigger that has to deal with sports, I'm not going to talk about sports around you because it could trigger you. And this goes back to the law of love, right? Where if, if you do something in front of your brother that causes them to stumble, well, you're guilty of causing a brother to stumble, right? You're walking in sin. So that's one aspect that we can um, both inform our community and those family members, those loving individuals who are in our lives, but also for the, the person who's helping the addict, that's something that we want to understand so that we don't necessarily tread on that defense mechanism, that trigger point. That's really good. Yeah. The, uh, what, that aspect that you're talking about, that, that family loving accountability is found all through the Bible. Um, we're finding over the last 20, 30 years, a lot of researchers who are not Christian, who are not motivated by the word of God are discovering on their own truths that have been in the Bible for the longest of time. Uh, for instance, what you're talking about, what you were just talking about right now, there's a book uh, by Dr. Myers. He's from, I believe it's the University of New Mexico. He has a book. It's been out now for quite a while. It's called uh, Getting Your Loved One Sober. And it's basically a, a manual for helping someone who's dealing with addiction. And in this case, it's a person who either who wants to be, who wants to get over their addiction. And it even works for those who don't, because you're taking what is essentially a biblical, and I'll explain that in a moment, a biblical model and surrounding the addict with this kind of loving, sophisticated, loving, wise circle of people who know how to talk to the addict, who know how to interact with the addict, who know how to function as a team and all of them be on the same page with the addict. So you're talking about things that might trigger certain behaviors. Well, then that requires some conversation in trying to understand what, why a person has begun to walk down that road, right? So in, in certain areas of counseling, they talk about doing story work or historical work where we go backwards in time in a person's life to help them see in their youth or, or their childhood where they began to slip and how that pushed them down this path towards some kind of personality disorder or an addictive behavior and to begin to work through that. Well, the Bible has talked about that a great deal, and this will bring us back to uh, the book that I was referring to, uh, getting your your loved ones sober, in in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus in chapter five, beginning in verse eleven, it says, "Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose the darkness, for it's harmful, shameful, even to speak of the things that." They do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
when we bring the darkness to the light, it becomes visible. It becomes understandable. It, we begin to recognize that we start having aha moment, a moments. And if we can begin to understand the heart and the soul of our addictive self, of those that we love who are addicted, then we're a big step ahead of the game. It goes on to say, for anything that becomes visible is now light. It's lighted up. It's it, it, it can be dealt with. Therefore, it says, and it quotes, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So sometimes we have to help that person understand what might be driving them, what has forced them towards the addiction, but also how do we now talk lovingly and and wisely amongst each other, and how does the addict open up his or her heart to people who love him or her to say, I need to have these conversations. I, I need for you to talk to me about this. I, I need to pour my heart out to you. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. So in, in Dr. Meyer's book, Getting Your Loved One Sober, he has developed a training program that he calls CRAFT, community relationship and family training. They literally, it brings the, the people, the circle of family and friends that really care about the addict together and trains them in how to have this loving accountability going forward in the addict's life. Like, okay, you don't get to be the one that dictates the type of behavior we're all in. That's what addicts are notorious for doing. We end up we end up in a in a, 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 a tug of war with them all the time. Please stop it. Please, you know, we're just back and forth constantly with with addictive people or personality disordered people or things like that. So we're going to expose the darkness. We're going to talk about why this might be happening. We're going to try to discover those things. And counselors do this. That uh, this is one of the things they do quite effectively. If we need a professional to help us with that, well, let's find a person to help us. But community relationship and family therapy is basically saying we can do that as the, the loving group of people that surround the addict. It requires that all of those significant people be on the same page, that they talk about it regularly, that they are then able to say to the one who's addicted, we're going to help you to recognize the darkness. We're going to remind you of the darkness. We're going to bring this to light. Uh, that passage goes on to say, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So don't continue to be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk <laughs> with wine. For that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So the power of the Spirit of God within the people of God, helping the child of God who's suffering from this addiction, we now expose it and it becomes light. We can talk about it rather than argue about it, ignore it, you know, blame, shame, casting guilt, all of those things have to go by the wayside so that we can begin to have a discussion with it. So that particular book, though it's not chapter and verse Bible, 
it's a great guideline for how to go about that. I would, I would, I would encourage people to read and study their Bibles and learn how to do it straight from the Word of God. But if you're not inclined to that and you want a quick way to see how you can lovingly support and to the addicts that we're talking to, how you can invite your loved ones to become a team that would be really capable of helping you rather than just wanting to help you, that would be a good book to go to. If you want to do it just purely by biblical discipleship, please contact Chris or myself and and let us work with you or, or or point you in the right direction, find a place like uh, Mission House or Honey Lake Clinic or something along those lines. Can I go to one other passage real quickly, Chris, to talk about this this aspect? It's found in the book of James. If those of you that are listening, if you're not familiar with your Bible, it's towards the back of the Bible. It's a little letter written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. Um, if you're wondering why is it his half brother, well, remember uh, Jesus was born of a virgin, and so did not have an earthly father. So you get to the whole letter of James is about whether or not somebody's walk with God is vital or weak. So, so I guess it's safe to say if a person's still struggling with addictions, there's at least an aspect of their faith that's weak. Now they sure. might not have weak faith in all aspects of their life. They might be really strong believers in Jesus, but they're weak in this area of addiction, right? Yeah. So in chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, this word sick is a, there's two different words in the, that are in play for the word, for where we see the English sick. And a lot of people think this is physical illness, but if you read it in context and study it in its context, it, it, it literally means a, a, a spiritual form of sickness. Like hmm. we can read, read about in the book of Hebrews, all of you who are weary and sick, right? It's, a, it's an issue of not being at full dependence on God in some area of your life. Now notice what, the, so that would be an addicted person or sure. you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, substance or something else. Now verse 16 And therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So, well, what, you know, now you're just going back to calling me a sinner. And if you've listened to our podcast, you know that over and over and over again, we try to help people to understand that sin is not an ugly word. It's a really beautiful word that describes the condition of people who are not depending upon the power of God, upon the person in the presence of God himself. They're they're finding something else to soothe the hole in their soul. And that's what addiction is. It soothes the holes in our souls. So and real real quick though, because I don't want people to take that the the word you're saying the word sin is beautiful. Obviously not sin is beautiful. The word is beautiful because it wraps up so many different things. Yeah. Um, it's that, it's a word it's a 
it's a word that God shares with us that is not intended to be ugly towards us, but to say, I understand that because of the choices of mankind, you come into this world separated from me, and I want to fix that. And and sin is anything, as, as you well explained a week or two ago in the podcast, is anything that's not of faith in God. So sometimes sin can be just emotional hurt and pain. That doesn't mean that I'm guilty of doing something evil. It means I am suffering because I'm not in close connection with God. So when Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, for my yoke is easy and I'm gentle as spirit. He's calling sinners to himself because, you know, some people, their sin is ugly. And sometimes their sin has been forced upon them by the hurts of society or maybe individuals in their life. Okay, so let's look at this a little bit more carefully. What are they supposed to do? They come together with the elders, with the church for prayer. What are we? This is the same as what we talked about, exposing the darkness, because now let us confess our sins together. Now, this person is at a point in his or her life where they go, I- I'm not getting victory. I need God. I need God's people. Now, the word confess, the Greek word, it literally means to speak in agreement with. So we oftentimes think of confession as, oh, God, forgive me of my sins. And and it does. It, It means that. But it means so much more than that. It literally means to speak in agreement with. Well, who are we speaking in agreement with when we confess our sins? We're speaking in agreement with the Lord. So what did the Lord feel about and think about you in your addiction? What does he think about? What does he feel about the addiction itself, the behavior involved with it? Well, like you, he doesn't like it. Like you, he wants you to be free from it. Like you and your loved ones, he understands what pushed you in that direction like you, he understands everything about this beyond our compre- ability to comprehend. So if I speak in agreement, it's not just where I'm, you know, the, like the Catholic idea of going to the the, the prayer chamber. Uh, I forget what those are called in the big Catholic church buildings. The confessional, uh, it, it doesn't mean, oh, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. It does include that. But this is simply calling out to God and doing it together with your loved ones. In this in this case, the elders of the church and church members, your church family, where they're all gathered together. And the and the hurting person, the the word suffering in verse thirteen, the sick person, the person who is spiritually, emotionally, socially, motivationally sick, is calling out, "Oh God, I." have no more strength i i have no solutions i i want to understand this as as well as i possibly can so back to ephesians 5 let me help me to expose this darkness why did i choose this path why am i on this path and now what happens in the loving circle the abiding circle of god the father son and holy spirit and this addiction this person's the addictive person's family and friends and potentially church 
in that in, that a, that circle of abiding and fellowship, one begins to learn about every jot and tittle regarding this addiction. Yeah. And this healthy, loving environment is exactly what the addictive person needs. If you're listening and you're an addictive person and you reject that, we understand that. If you desire that, <laughs> we're praying that you will maybe actually take the lead and help your loved ones to re-engage with you if they've if they've grown weary and begin to search out some of the things we've talked about tonight. You're going to have to do a little bit of work. And if you're the one who loves an addicted person, same thing, because you'll find that the power of God is available. And Jesus promises that we can know the presence of him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And again, knowing how to abide in Christ where we hear his word internally and uh, we hide the word of God away in our heart. God speaks it back to us through the other believers and other loved loved ones within our family. All of that, the very approach that Dr. Myers has come up with, what he calls community relationship and family therapy, all of those practical steps have been in the Bible for thousands of years. But with one incredible difference <laughs> the power of god at your disposal for victory yeah and what you're saying reminds me it uh it reminded me of of a verse i just brought it up here um ecclesiastes ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 when we're talking about an an addicted person who is trying to find a way out of it. One of the things that I thought of is they may think, oh, I'm so dirty. No one wants to help me. They've already sworn me off. I got to do this all on my own. And um, I know that you're saying all these people need to be in my life, but one, maybe I don't want them to know that I struggle with this, this addiction because there may be shame involved. You know, I feel shame that I, I let this go for so long or that I that I fell into this particular trap. Um, and, and what I say is, let's let's look at some wisdom that comes from um, the word of God. So Ecclesiastes four, Ecclesiastes four, nine through 12 says two are better than one because they have a good mm -hmm. return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Man, this is so true, not just for the addictions, but specifically for addictions. I encourage you, if, if you believe that you need to do this alone, or if you're a family member who said, you need to fix yourself and you walked away. I would encourage you then to remember this and say, hey, what if they are the one who fell 
but they had no one to help them up. Mm-hmm. What if you're the one that keeps falling and you can't get out of it and you've got no one to help you up? So this beautiful relationship that we have in the body of Christ with other believers who can lift us up, maybe your family just swore you off. Okay. But we've got the body of Christ. We've got um, other believers in your church or in local churches. We have friends, you have other family. I mean, there's so many different people that can walk the journey with you, that can pour into you, that can support you, that can talk with you, that can help you. Um, and it, but we've got to, we've got to open up that door. And so, you know, I just, I was thinking that, you know, maybe you do think that you should do it alone or that you have to do it alone. And, and that's a tough road. I'm not sure many people can make that out on their own. Um, and I, I don't think you should try. I think the beauty of what God gave us and this unity in the body, it's so much more of a blessing to walk through that and to see God's providence with other people, because now you have lifelong relationship with these people that, you know, they were able to support you. You felt supported and now God's hands and feet are extended through another individual. How how much more beautiful can that be uh, in the life of someone who's struggling? All I can say to what you just said is, Amen. That's absolutely. You know, as a as a means of example, at at our small church, West Sound Community Church. Uh, Admittedly, you know, we've not regained the the level of ministry that we had before COVID, um, but there's still the heart within our church to to be the kind of church that does what we've been talking about tonight in the last two episodes. Um, We even took this whole concept that the Bible gives to us and we created support teams for people going through really difficult things. And of course that support team would include a spouse, but and we would ask the person who is looking for help to overcome issues in his or her life, you know, who, who might you like to have involved in your support team? But then we would also recommend some people that had different areas of, strength or expertise and then we would come together regularly we we literally write up a a game plan for a person we've done it for people dealing with borderline personality disorder we've done it with people dealing with alcoholism we've done it with people with narcissistic personality disorder We've done it with people who who are dealing with what's now being called complex PTSD. Um, PTSD is usually associated with really tragic events. But what about a person who grows up with pervasive traumahood in their childhood and adolescence they've lived a life of trauma or maybe maybe in their adulthood like a 
a spouse who's been abused over the years. They've experienced pervasive traumas. It's uh, referred to more and more as complex PTSD. And, and all of those things in our mental health issues, we utilize that terminology because what's good about them from the field of psychology is they are not necessarily explanations for why. They are descriptions of a list of symptoms that a person's dealing with. And if they have this grouping of 10 symptoms, you know, that began at a young age and lasted X number of years and is pervasive over time and stuff like that, then that grouping is called borderline personality disorder. A different yeah. set of symptoms, it's called narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, something else, you know, whether it's, and there's a lot of different things like that, personality disorders, addiction issues, uh, things that are more like obstructive uh, combative disorder or hyperactive, you know, attention deficit and hyperactivity. All of those are groupings of symptoms. We use the same process um, of including the medical doctor, including the counselor, including the loved ones, including people who can be a shoulder to cry on, including someone who's there to help with childcare if necessary so that, you know, the, the frazzled parent who's discovered that they have some stuff from the past exposing the darkness, agreeing with God that there are these areas and they need more time than they've given themselves uh, or somebody that will go, I, you know, I have a whole year that I'll, I'll mow their lawn. I'll take care of all their yard work so that they don't have to deal with that. They can devote themselves and the other team members can help them begin to deal with this issue in their life. That'd be um, great. This is the beauty of the body of Christ that so many people don't recognize. Um, and there it is in scripture. You know, we've, you and I have only just, in every one of these episodes, we barely, 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 touch the tip of the iceberg on these concepts that God has given to us. So I stand amazed at what he's done in people's lives. I, I would encourage you, dear listener, whether you are the addicted person or you're, you love an addicted person, you know, consider checking some of the things that we talked about tonight out. And if you, if you'd like to know more about what Chris does or I do with what we call our abide groups, we'd be more than happy to chat with you about that. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's, let's sum this up, uh, getting physiologically <laughs> healthy enough um, is a big one, right? Whether it's detox or whether it's a removal of the substance uh, for a period of time, however that is, we, we talked about that getting to the point where you can start thinking rationally. And then once you do teaming up with uh, a family, right? hopefully you do that before, but teaming up with a family and friends and your brothers and sisters in the Lord, so that you can walk through this with support. Uh, Ricky just gave a great example of how that support could be used, you know, whether it's for chores or whether it's um, emotional support, whether it's 
cooking for you if if that's what you need. Um, so getting through that and then starting to understand the depths of where this addiction is is coming from. What, what's the source, whether there's some sort of defense mechanism or trigger, where's that coming from? That's that's something to to start to see if you can identify or journal on your own or, you know, confessing with other believers present, you know, confessing to the Lord. Confession, as you said, is coming into unity with with the Lord's um, word about uh, about us and about life. Right? Um, that could be that I'm I'm living a life of dependence on this substance instead of on God. That can be I'm living a life of fear instead of living a life of faith. You know, so understanding that and then taking those things and bringing those to the altar in the essence and and asking the Lord to take this brokenness that's inside of us or that's inside of our loved one. And, um, and then now starting to take God in this word and build our faith through what he said is the case in these situations and to rewrite these triggers, rewrite these defense mechanisms to bring us to a new position where we know who we are in Christ. And because we know who we are in Christ, then these temptations, these triggers, these horrible thoughts, they no longer drive me. They no longer are who I am, my identity. And because they're not in that position of power anymore over me, then I can I can truly start to live the life that God called me to. I can live as a as an adopted child of God. I can live justified. I can live redeemed. I can live regenerated. I can live reconciled. You know, you mentioned the five miracles of salvation. We can live in those things when we know we are those things. So I think those are kind of the the main talking points that uh at least I took away from this one that, you know, for the addict or for the, the individual who is walking closely with an addict to look at. I, I, I it's a great summary. I, I just hope that folks could, you know, take the time and, and do, do a little research doesn't require, you know, a college education, just a, definitely takes work um, and all these heavy subjects that you've been ideal with I just I mm, I gotta figure out you know how I personally can help each week with our with our podcast to end on a note that's that's not emotionally heavy it is these are heavy subjects aren't they yeah, they are but my goodness, the the joy of the Lord resident in our hearts, in our soul, our spirit, it can become so strong that the desires that lead us in the wrong direction, the lust, the cravings that lead us in the wrong direction can be can be overpowered. And there's just too many people whose testimonies of overcoming all kinds of stuff 
you know, for any of us to think we're in this alone and God's never going to answer my prayers. Hang in there. Hang in there, beloved. God has a plan for you. You know, Amen. And yeah. part of that plan is for you to take some steps and, and if you need some help finding somebody to help you with those, don't hesitate to, to, Say hello to us, you know, some way through social media or the phone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again, Chris. I just, I can't thank you enough for uh, what you're doing in people's lives. Uh, just this past week, somebody commented on, they listened to one of the podcasts and I was just, you know, it was, it was just wonderful to, to read what the person was saying. I think you asked, a, they, they commented and said they liked the, the episode or something like that. And then, you said, well, what was it you liked about it? And man, their description was just, and I was just like, wow, you know, that person, whoever that person is, is, and it's not about the podcast. It's not about you doing this or me partnering with you and doing it. It's about them really seeing God's work at, at that God's word at work in their life. And when you start to inherit that from God, well, then, you know, then, you know, you're living heaven on earth. Yeah. 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 It's such a beautiful thing, you know, what you said, ending on, on a non-heavy moment. But when we as a Christian fully start to grasp what God has given us on this earth, not in the next life, but right here and right now, not yeah. writing off this life and saying, well, I'm addicted here, um, but there's hope for me in the next life. And, and God guaranteed that. No, like my friend, my brother, my sister, this life that we're living here partnered with God has so many rich blessings that, I mean, you, you can't even begin to dream of how wonderful these things truly are in this life. And to, to be able to grasp that, to be able to walk in that, there is, I mean, it'll bring you to tears of joy. Just, just starting to, to grasp even small amounts of that. So, man, I, it, if that alone can be spoken into your life, uh, even in this difficult situation to, to know that God has so much fullness and wonder for you in this life as you wait until, you know, the, the final days of this flesh to wait for the, the earthly tent to be shed and, and to put on the, uh, the, the tent made with, without human hands, as, as Paul says in second Corinthians five. I mean, that's, that's, but in this life, like there's amazing things. And, and I look forward to even hearing some of you and your amazing stories that, uh, that the Lord has done. So let's, um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that, that you truly have power, not, not only over disease and not even only over death, but over the, the problems that are just central in our lives god these these systemic problems that go back to childhood or, or go back a few years 
And for our, our brothers and sisters who are addicted or, or those in their lives, God, we pray for this wonder of your love and your grace, your mercy, the, the truth of who they are. I pray that that'll shine through in, in what we're saying. And God, I pray that you will enable more of your people to be the hands and feet extended, that they would use their members for righteousness. And in doing so, Lord, that they would walk through hell with their loved one, that they would they would go through this difficult time. And uh, in detoxing, I've never gone through it, Lord, but I've heard stories and it sounds difficult. And um, to just bring together a family, whether it's biological family or spiritual family, that can support that person going through that, knowing that this may be hard, and, and though the substance is easier, this may be hard, but I have people who love me that are supporting me, and they're going to be there with me, whether it's in person or whether they're waiting for me to get out. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for the hearts of, of your followers that are in this. and I pray for more of your followers' hearts to soften and to have empathy and, and compassion towards um our sicker brothers and sisters that are um, spiritually struggling in, in different areas that they've they've fallen into addiction and uh, Lord we just we love them so much we want to see them enjoy the fullness of the fruit of this life um, in you and, and in your word and what you said so we lift them up to you God we uh, we pray for courage we pray for just a, a strength that comes from you in all of their lives to overcome these things. We praise you in the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.